with what's happening right now, white people start to realize they don't know the half of it. And I decided I was just going to listen. Hello, and welcome to Detour to Wear, interviews exploring the winding road to home. My name is LaVon Hardison. Gay pride usually happens in June. Cities across the nation commemorate and honor the 1969 Stonewall Uprising in New York. This uprising, which began after a police raid on Stonewall Inn in the Greenwich Village neighborhood, was a pivotal event in the road to LGBTQ rights in the United States. June is usually full of activities celebrating our gay brothers and sisters. Usually. <laughs> but this has not been a usual year. This year, Pride has been overshadowed by the pandemic and by the more urgent agenda of Black Lives Matter. The struggles of the gay community and the people of color community are not separate, of course. People of color were an important part of the Stonewall Rebellion. Andy Austin lives in Indianapolis, where he works as a publications art director for Kiwanis International. He's also a club DJ and music producer, and he is a neighborhood activist. As a gay man, Andy usually participates in Indianapolis's Pride celebrations, but with most Pride events canceled, he's been giving a lot of thought to the intersection of the experiences and goals of the LGBTQ and people of color communities and what it means to be a white ally. I've really taken a break from Facebook because of just the anger that's being expressed on all sides over the, the race issue. I've, I have a neighbor down the street, he's a black gay Muslim, um, you know, and he's, he's, his whole thing is, if you don't understand every bit of this, you're the problem. You know, you're a racist, blah, blah, blah. I don't wanna ever see you again, I don't wanna ever talk to you again. And it all kind of came up over Pride. The group that puts on Pride made a decision in, solidarity with Black Lives Matter, that they would no longer contract with police or sheriff to do security. This is something that New York went through last year or the year before, and they ended up having two separate parades. The people that are honoring what Stonewall really was, you know, was a, a riot against police brutality, felt it was inappropriate to have police marching in the parade in uniform. But then a lot of people were like, but we've come so far, you know, and, and we've, police now are like our friends and they walk in the parade in solidarity with us here. Like a lot of the gay men, white gay men were saying, you know, these men and women who are LGBT law enforcement officers marched with us before it was safe for them to do, to do that for their job, for whatever. And so now we're going to tell them we don't want them. We don't want them involved in the parade. We don't want them involved. And that's not fair. And so then you have the gay community of color that is saying, what don't you get? We don't feel comfortable. Why are you, you know, why are you having a party where 25% of the people that would come to this don't feel they're invited to the party? It's not a party. 
-hmm. I had to really, really wrestle with that in my own head. And I had to really take a step back and listen to everybody and kind of run through it in my head. Because my first reaction was sort of along those same lines. Like, I know a lot of those cops, male and female, whatever, that have really stepped up over the years to protect the gay community. Granted, they're gay as well. But at a time when they would have lost their jobs had it become well-known, you know. Um, And then in the last four or five years, like a huge chunk of our city police department marches in the parade, gay, straight, whatever. They just march. And there's like 150 of them. A lot of people looked at that as, you know, we finally made progress. We've, um, there's an era of legitimacy that's added to the gay community when something as mainstream as, you know, law enforcement is, is supporting us. So that was one whole mindset. And I, I could see it, you know, it was like, cause my first reaction was of all the, the people that I know. And I'm like, that just seems so wrong to tell them they can't participate, you know? And then I started thinking about, cause my friend down the street who was posting really, really, and angry stuff about it. And rightly so, you know, I started, I was just listening because I I was tempted to get on there and be like, I can see both sides and you can, you know, you can applaud the fact that pride is distancing themselves from the police force and still feel badly for the gay cops. You know, I was, I wanted to get on there and kind of play the middle and say, you can feel both ways, you know? And I really felt it was appropriate for pride to take that step to say, we are not going to have a visible presence of the cops. If they want to come in their street clothes and participate in the parade, great. But to have that giant chunk of the parade be men and women in the blue uniforms that has such a triggering effect on so many people, I get that, you know? And it was, it, I wanted to understand both sides and I wanted both sides to understand the other side. You know, I don't know if that's my, like, peacemaking thing that I seem to have, you know, whatever. What did you finally come to that you could live with? I decided that I knew there were a couple people that really felt strongly about it. And I thought, I'm going to just reach out to them personally. You know, now it's one of the biggest pride festivals in the country. You know, it's a whole month of things. We have pet pride. Everybody decorates their dog. It is hilarious. We have the rainbow 10K run. We have, well, one of our biggest events that's always been is this softball game that happens. And it's one team is drag queens and one team is used to be cops. So that's not happening anymore. But the, the, the drag queens always beat them. Uh, and they, they play in full drag. But anyway, but all of the events were about, it was like a big block party. Mm-hmm. And it was a big celebration. Mm-hmm. And there's part of me that's like, yes, that's pride. You know, we're celebrating. But when a portion of the community isn't there yet, they aren't there to celebrate. You know what I mean? They haven't reached the point where they can celebrate. They're still fighting.
almost 51 years ago. Then we had the AIDS crisis. And I remember thinking it in the pinnacle of that, I thought, if we ever make it through this in one piece, everything's gravy. You know, there's no reason to ever be upset about anything ever again. And then gay marriage happened. And I really didn't believe that was ever going to happen in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. Going back to your question about what was it in this debate that, that affected me and made me want to dive into this whole thing is that I didn't want to believe that my gay black Muslim neighbor was so angry that he couldn't, I mean, it just felt like he, there was no way he was going to ever step back from this, you know, I mean, obviously it was all this stuff that had been built up for years and years and he had every right to, you know, and, and of course it's coming out nationally. I know, I mean, I know where his heart is. And he kept saying to my neighbor, he's like, you have friends who are cops. You have friends who are, you know, like, what? Like, you know, I mean, he kept trying to, like, make him say, you know, not all cops are, you know, I mean, he was, he was really trying to, to, to get that recognition or get that uh, agreement or whatever. But he was just like, you're the problem, you know you know, cracker, go, go, mm -hmm. go do your Amish thing. You know, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't want to know you mm -hmm. anymore. Um, I didn't want to believe that both of them were that, that cut and dry. It's how can you easily write somebody off? Yeah. You care about because you're angry and you have every right to be angry. So it's like, where did, where does, where do you, where do you go with that? You know, yeah. it's like, I don't, I can't fault either of them. You know what I mean? And it's not my job, but I just felt like I needed to step in there and be like, okay, you guys, you know, we're all friends here. Like, mm -hmm. um, how is pride going to be different for you this year? Well, I mean, pride isn't really happening. So, but okay. it's next year. This is all going to be whatever. But the action that I took was kind of a non-action. I decided, well, first of all, I was like not going to post stuff on people's comments and I decided I was just going to listen. It's not my job and it's certainly not my place to tell anybody about racism or about bigotry, whether it's for deaf people, gay people, purple people, whatever. It's not, that's not my thing, you know? I And, and I know a lot of gay people make the assumption, I was gonna say make the mistake, but make the assumption that they can somehow have a voice or talk about racism, bigotry, whatever, because we on some level have experienced something like it, but it's not. And that's something I had to come to terms with. But it taught me like, just because I've had whatever things happen to me, it is no parallel to living with systemic racism. I think there's a parallel in hatred and intolerance I think everybody to some degree has felt that, whether you were bullied, whether you were 
a, a woman up for a job that you were clearly better than somebody else and the man got it, you know, whatever it is, I think everybody's been treated unfairly for some reason with what's happening right now is that white people start to realize they don't know the half of it. And that's why, like I said, I, I felt like instead of engaging with either my white friend or my black friend, I mm-hmm. needed to just sit back and listen. I think when you have shared experiences, yes, it's the jumping off point for empathy, but taken one step further or one step in the wrong direction, it is the stepping off point for privilege. Because if I feel that I can relate to you because I've had the same experience, it suddenly gives me the privilege to tell you what you should be doing or tell you what I think should be happening. That's not what it does. So I think empathy good, privilege bad. You know, I mean, it's like, (laughs) you got, I mean, but, but they're so close. They can come from the same experience. Thanks to Andy Austin for sharing his story. Detour to Wear is produced by Scott Stevens and LaVon Hardison. Our theme music is Super Spiffy by David Fesslian. Hear more episodes at soundcloud.com slash detour to wear. And you can reach us by email at detour to wear at gmail.com. We love feedback and guest suggestions for future shows. Thanks for listening. And remember not to sweat the detours. They're just another way home.